to Jalice every week. Isn't it amazing? Thank you, my friend. And I don't know how she does it, but every week she picks just the exact songs. Actually, what we sing, we could probably just go home and you wouldn't even have to hear me babble for the next 30 minutes. Uh, it's exactly the topic that we will be on today. And, it, and I think she got a special request this morning. That's how flexible this one is. She changed it up and even that fit. So that's the Holy Spirit working among us and it's incredible and I love it. So, um, <clears throat> so we find ourselves this week between the revealing of the plans for the tabernacle and the construction of the tabernacle. The title of this week was Prepared Hearts. So it seems like God was preparing their hearts in like chapter 32 through 34 before we really get into the details of the tabernacle. So where have we been? Well, God had called Moses up on the mountain and gave him the uh, instructions, remember, to give the people of Israel. He reminded him uh, that he rescued them from the Egyptians <clears throat> and then he says now if the people obey me and keep his covenant they'll be his own special treasure distinguished people from among all the people on the earth they'll be a holy nation a kingdom of priests and the Israelites responded. Does anybody remember what they said? Yes, all the Lord has spoken. We will do, right? Do you remember that? I don't know if we read that in our homework, but it's in there, I promise you, in Exodus. So chapters 25 through 31, where we've kind of seen um, the instructions on how to build the, the tabernacle. And then in 35 through 40, we'll begin to construct the tabernacle. Um, and so in between, we have this interesting story of God's people, and they sinned so grievously by what? What did they do? Yeah. yeah, they did idol worship for you that, that couldn't hear. They worshiped a golden calf. This was right after, remember, right after agreeing to obey God and to build him a place so that he could dwell among them. Gives us a little hope for ourselves, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> God says, you know what? I don't know if this is going to work. I think I should just wipe them out. But Moses pleads, right, on their behalf, reminding God of his promise to Abraham. Not that God needed reminding, but he reminded God of the promise and then he stands in the gap and he pleads with God to spare them. And God does. He chooses faithfulness to his promise. Wonder if God was preparing their hearts to dwell with him. So this is where we're going to begin reading in uh, chapter 33. If you have your Bible, you can open it because guess what? We're reading the whole thing. So this is going to be exciting. Hang in there with me. So right here in the aftermath of Israel's great offense, we see the most elevated glimpse of God. 
glimpse that Moses has ever seen or will have. And also in your homework, I didn't write the page number down. Deborah, you have it right there. Uh, the session number? 70? Okay. Uh, yeah. And this is the portion that we're going to be reading, but if you want to fill in the blanks, it's page 70. Um, but I did want to take us back just for a moment in the very beginning. Do you remember how um, in the introduction we talked about sitting before the Lord and asking him? I think Beth had challenged us to every time before we sit down and read to say, Lord, open my mind um, that I might have understanding. And so I thought, you know what, let's just do that before we start. So I'm going to pray again. Lord, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for today. And we ask you to open our minds that we might have understanding of your word. May your spirit speak to us through your words today. And Lord, I ask for you to give us an elevated glimpse of you. May we leave here in awe and wonder. Bit by bit, please reveal yourself to us. May your presence be felt all around us. We do want more of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So I pray that the Spirit um, speaks to you today through the reading of Exodus 33 here. Going to begin in verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, Get going, you and the people you brought up from the land of Egypt. Go up to the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I told them, I will give you this land to your descendants, and I will send an angel before you to drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hittites, Perizzites, not to be confused with parasites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to this land that flows with milk and honey, but I will not travel among you, for you are a stubborn and rebellious people. If I did, I would surely destroy you along the way. And the words might be a little different on there than what I just read because I changed it up last minute. <clears throat> so we start off here with a little bit of good news, right? It's actually quite remarkable when you think about it that the fact that the golden calf situation had just happened and God says, I'll still give you the land I promised. I'll even send an angel to clear the way. I'm not going to leave you without protection, but here's the thing. I'm not going with you. I'll give you the land, and my representative, but not my presence. They could have said, ah, great, all the things. Yeah, thank you for these blessings. The blessings are enough. We're content with all this stuff. Every time... And I've been sitting, this is one of my favorite chapters. I probably say this every time I'm up here, but it truly is. And I've been sitting in Exodus for quite a while now. And this chapter, for sure, I've been sitting in the last couple of weeks. Every time I read this portion, I, I get emotional. And it's an emotional, I can't 
even describe sometimes, I don't know, sometimes it feels like panic or fear, uh, sadness, and like an emptiness. I just get emotional. Then I sit with these questions. Hopefully I don't get too emotional. <clears throat> Do I want or need God's presence in my life? Or am I content with just the good things that he gives? The nice house, the good job, happy family. Oh, I'll be with you a tiny bit, Lord, every day. Or when things get a little tough, I'll, I'll show up. I'll remember you then. Yeah, but otherwise, I think it's great. Basically, this is what he offered Israel, his protection, a land flowing with milk and honey, but just that one little catch. He wouldn't go with them. So I asked myself, if I had all of God's blessings, but not him, would I be happy with that? Seriously, it's an emotional thing for me. Without the fullness of his presence, do the other things feel empty? So what will Israel do? Reading on, when the people heard these distressing words, they began to mourn, and no one put on any ornaments. This is the part I was talking about, ladies, at table number two. For the Lord, this is where they still had ornaments. We were talking about the jewelry thing. For the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites, you are a stiff-necked people. If I were to go up with you even for a moment, I might destroy you. Now take off your ornaments, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites stripped off their ornaments at Mount Horeb, or Mount Sinai. <clears throat> he says, I will decide what to do with you. All-knowing God would have to decide. Actually, he would choose to decide. <clears throat> Though he is all-knowing, he keeps himself in the game. He keeps himself in this process of deliberation about his people. We see his connectedness to his people. Beth titles the theme uh, for today, his absence versus his presence. My title is, His Presence is Everything. And I hope today as we go through this to, that we can gain a greater understanding of what this looks like for us, His presence in our lives, and that we too, as Moses, will get an elevated glimpse of our God and His stunning, number one point, affectability. His stunning affectability, that's your first fill in the blank there. What does this actually mean? Well, Beth says, in a, in a short little quote, kind of concising down like 30 minutes, it says, it means that God, the creator of the heavens and earth, ordained the entire system where his prized creation could actually affect him. As we continue reading... We'll see in the chapter a little bit later on that God is going to allow Moses to affect his decision, to move him, to affect him. So God has just said, 
Okay, Moses, here's the deal. I made a covenant that I'm going to be keep because I am Yahweh and I am the covenant keeper. I'm the covenant maker and I'm the covenant keeper. So I made this covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and that is exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep this covenant, this promise. <clears throat> and here's what you're going to have. You're going to have all the milk and honey that you ever want. You're going to have an angel go with you, and I'm going to keep every promise I made. There again is just that one catch. I'm not going. Verse 7, now Moses used to take a tent and pitch it outside the camp some distance away, calling it the tent of meeting. And note, this is not the established tabernacle. That hasn't been built yet. But this tent of meeting is outside the camp. The tabernacle will be in the midst of the camp. But anyone inquiring of the Lord will go to the tent of meeting outside the camp. And whenever Moses went into the tent, all the people rose and stood at the entrances to their tents, watching Moses until he entered the tent. As Moses went into the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and stay at the entrance. While the Lord spoke with Moses, whenever the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the entrance to the tent, they all stood and worshipped, each at the entrance to their tent. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Then Moses would return to the camp, but his young age, Joshua, son of Nun, did not leave the tent. Now in the theme of his absence versus his presence, what we see here is what is at stake if God's presence does not go with Moses. It shows that Moses, what Moses has enjoyed with God's presence God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. Now, we know that Moses never actually really saw God's face. We'll read about that a little bit later. But this means presence to presence, like a free conversation or, or communication with God. In uh, Psalms 103, we read, He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. So as we continue on getting this elevated glimpse of God and his stunning affectability, he's moved by us, he responds to us, but also point to his willing friendship with us. That's your second fill in the blank. God spoke to Moses as one speaks to a friend. He revealed his character to Moses. Now, thinking of friendship, friendship is not something that's just given fr freely, right? I mean, you can have like a acquaintance that, that you like, but friendship, it's earned. It's a deep friendship takes time. To think of friendship, we can simply think of friendship. Or to think of friendship with God, we can think of our friendship and what that means. Here are a few foundational elements of friendship. Trust. You can trust the secrets of your heart with a friend. Honesty. Because of trust in a friendship, you have no fear of being your true self, being vulnerable in your honesty, and feeling safe. 
Friends spend time together, so time is a pretty big element of friendship. The more time spent together, the more the trust and honesty grow, which then strengthens the friendship. Equal sharing of lis and listening. Time spent just in idle chit-chat. Not always big, monumental moments, but the everyday mundane things where you learn the insignificant facts about each other. Like all the funny, quirky things that are not Instagram shareable. I recently... Um, had a good friend that was, we've been friends for years, but she moved away, which has affected the friendship a little bit, but she came back to visit. And all you have to do is say two words and we're like rolling on the floor, you know? Cruise ship, whoopee cushion, that's all. And, and we just lose it, you know? And so that's this, this friendship. It's funny, quirky things. It can be deep, emotional things that you talk about, but you just know. Deep friendship is knowing more about a person than the rest of the world knows. Moses had that friendship with God. His friendship with God began at a burning bush. In Exodus 3, God introduces himself to Moses, and Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Then God told him, you know what? I'm going to use you to bring the Israelites out of slavery and what does Moses do? His insecurities surface, and he says, who am I? I don't think I can do this. God says, it's not about you. It's about me. I am. And throughout the book of Exodus, we read at least 65 times the Lord, these, this quote, the Lord spoke to Moses. We read of Moses spent 40 days and nights on the mountain, right? listening and conversing with God. Do you ever wonder what, what was going on for 40 days and 40 nights sitting with, Jesus, with God? No wonder here then we read that God spoke to him as to a friend. What about our relationship with God? What does it look like for us to have an intimate relationship with God? In John 15, we read, You are my friends if you do what I command. This is Jesus saying this. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So it's our obedience that makes us friends with God. He also says, I no longer call you servants, but friends, because everything I know from my Father, I've now shared with you. They're in the know. He's saying, you know everything about my Father's business. So our friendship with God is marked by being in our Father's business. Something else that will mark our friendship with Christ is that everything we say to him does not have to be huge or monumental or profound, well thought out and rehearsed. No, our intimate 
relationship with Christ includes sharing the small moments with him. Maybe we're out walking and see something beautiful. We talk to him about it, thanking him for the blessing of that tiny piece of moss. That was me this week. I had the privilege of going um, on a ministry staff retreat, and we had a lot of silence time, which for an introvert, who just fills my cup, you know? Uh, so I took myself on a little nature walk. And we're not in Yosemite here, okay? So we're in Weimar, California. So, you know, picture that. It's not just this huge beauty all around you. But this little nature walk in the back of the property, I was under trees, and I just sat down on a stump. And as I just sitting in there taking in all the sounds and the sights, which are plenty when we just stop and focus. And I look down at my little stump that I'm sitting on, and it's covered in moss. And this moss was incredible, you guys. Each little, I meant to have a picture of it, but it probably still wouldn't you know, do, do the same effect. But every little curly little frond looked like a little fern all in a like a bed of moss but when you really look down at it so I did I sat there and I just started talking to God about this moss growing on the stump talked to God about the flock of or herd flock herd herd of deer that scared me half to death <laughs> I think there was about five of them talked to God about the copperhead snake that I came across that ended up being a manzanita branch We tell him ridiculous things, sometimes intimate things. What we're seeing, what we're feeling, what we're thinking, we draw near to him in the simple things. Psalms 27 says, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. Now, the entire point of the lesson is wrapped up in this third point, his priority presence. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to make it again. Um, so we are going to paraphrase verses 12 through 14, but it's up there if you want to read it through. Um, the main point of this, this scripture here is verse 14. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. So the Lord has said yes to Moses. Okay, I'll go with you. And look at the next fill in the blank. Um, that word give you rest doesn't just mean rest, but I will dispel your anxiety. So I'll go with you. It's my presence that's going to cause your fears to go away. It's my presence, God says, that's going to dispel your anxiety. Then verses 15 through 17, Moses somehow didn't hear that, or actually I believe it's more that he's now pleading on the cause of the people because God had said he'd go with Moses, and Moses just wants to make sure it's going to be for all of them. If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? 
The Lord says to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. God's presence is everything. What if God laid out the same kind of deal to us and said, you know what, I'll give you victory over your enemies. Wherever you go, I'll send an angel to protect you. What if I prosper you with chips and salsa for the rest of your life, all you can handle? Every single petition you've ever asked, I will grant you, but here's the deal, I'm not gonna go with you. Would we do as Moses, where we say, no deal, Lord, no deal. It's your presence that I want. Hopping over, hopping over. Um, I'm going to help you fill in the blanks. Oh, there's so much stuff. Um, back to verse 12. Who will you send with us? Or who will you send with me? Moses kept going because the answer of, of God not going with him was not enough. So he keeps asking. And Beth talks about every single one of us have a with need, and this will be in your book. It'll come up here in a minute. Actually, you can do the next slide if you want. You already did. See, that's the friend that knows me by name. <laughs> um, we were all created with a with need, a with need for God and a need for people. We need one another. Moses had this need too. Um, and, and back in that Exodus 3 that we were talking about when God said, you know, I am, I'm going to go with you. I'm going to send you and I'm going to go with you. And what does, Moses has a bit of a fit in chapter 4 and he's like, nah, it's not going to work. I need somebody else to do it. So God gives him who? Aaron. Yep. And how did that work out for him? <laughs> So here we see Moses kind of put the with need of people before his with need of God. And there's a whole bunch of scripture on God saying, I'll be with you to Isaac, to Jacob, to Joshua, to Gideon, to Israel. He talks about Jesus being born and he's Emmanuel, God with us. And uh, lo, Jesus says, lo, I'll be with you always, even into the end of the age. I am with you is what we hear over and over. And then in John 15, 5, Jesus said, without me, what? You can do nothing. Since Jesus' presence is everything. So we're going to jump down to... Lastly, the incomparable glory of God. That's your fourth one. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. He had seen God's glory over and over again. Um, the burning bush, the deliverance from Egypt, cloud descending from heaven, feeding from heaven, on and on. That wasn't enough for Moses. He keeps pressing in. He wants more of God. What about you? Do you want more of God? I had to ask myself this. And now, in this era of post-cross, we have the, the Holy Spirit, right? 24-7, we can access him. Shouldn't we expect far greater glory? 
under the new way, now that the Holy Spirit has given us life, that's 2 Corinthians 3, 8. Do we have a continuing desire for God, for his goodness? He's willing to show us. Or has Satan planted a thought in our ear that we've hit a plateau? We know it all. We've learned it all. We don't need to seek his face anymore. When was the last time you took a big step of faith? Took a risk, really, that made you feel like a fool? Are you willing to do that for God? And then God takes Moses, puts him in the... Because guess what? Moses is still pressing, show me your glory. And God says, okay, I love that God cared about this. He could have just said, no, you'll die. But he goes, let me figure out a way. And he puts Moses in the cleft of the rock and he hides him there. And he passes by and we know that, that uh, Moses was not able to see God, but he saw like a comet going by and the little at the end, you know? That's kind of how I picture what he saw. But God cared enough about Moses asking that he hid them hid him there as his goodness passed by. So all this glory that Moses experienced doesn't even compare to the revelation of God given us by Jesus Christ. Think about this. Fill your mind for a moment with the display of glory that God has revealed to Moses. All Moses experienced, just let that go through your mind. Now put a frame of reference on it with this passage. Whenever, though they turn to face God, as Moses did, God removes the veil, and there they are, face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living, personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us, nothing between us and our God. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured, much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become like him. 2 Corinthians 3.18 from the message. His presence is everything. Let's pray. Lord, let us leave here with a heart that is open to you. Lord, as I have sat in awe and wonder of you these past couple weeks, I don't want to leave that behind, what I've learned, Lord. So help me take it with me. Uh, help each one of us to feel your presence, to be able to sit in awe and wonder of who you are and the idea that you want us with you. You want us to access you 24-7 to just talk with you. We thank you for that. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your friendship. And we thank you that we can stand in the gap for each other and you hear us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.